A lot of things come up against us. The tension is just staying on course. So staying on the path, whatever analogy you want, the road, the road of life. Uh, and obviously that road is the road that, that God has clearly marked out for you. God does not ask anything of us other than we would abide. We can know if we are and we're not. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to do the things that Jesus did. But why? To abide. The tension here is staying the course. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm joined by my friends, Josh, Kelly, and Bill. And we're so excited you're here. So pull up a chair and join us in this conversation about what it takes to live free from life. Guys, we're finishing up part three of season two. In fact, this is the last time we're going to be around the table for this season. That feels sad. This is a wonderful table. <laughs> well, it's kind, I should say it's kind of the last episode. We've got one more coming. I'm both excited and nervous for it. I am nervous sided. Nervous sided. <laughs> Did you just New make word. up a word? No. What's the movie? Can that's you put this from? in the, the show notes? Because I think people need to use that. Oh, How do you spell that? if you, uh, it's going to be too late because this is in real time. But if you know, raise your hand and tell us. Oh, it's like a Disney movie or something. Like I'm, I'm nervous. Fro- is it Frozen? It might be Frozen. Uh, or my frozen or Inside Out. I don't know. Okay. I think it might be Frozen. Well, I'm nervous sighted. Is that what, right? <laughs> sure. I got it. I'm interviewing my dad. That's so great. Whoa. So great. Is it? What <laughs> do you want it? to say about this, Bill? <laughs> Leonard. Oh. Did you call him Uncle Leonard? Or was it? So for context, for those of you that are listening out there, Tim and I are cousins. We've talked about that before. We spent a lot of time together growing up. That's and why so, I ask. Yeah. So I would never call him Leonard to his face because I, I feel like the Jesus that Only he carries with him. Only behind his The Jesus that he has with him. With he, reverence though, right? He would like turn his face away from God for a moment and then oh. discipline me oh. and then turn his face back. So it's, there's a legitimate fear growing up that you would obviously not oh, yeah. call him by his first name. But what did you call him? Uncle Al. Uncle Al. That's Al, my Uncle Al, man. Yeah. That's, that's where it is. That's why. Okay. Confusion has been clarified. Continue. Yeah. So I'm interviewing my dad and I'm excited and nervous. I'm nervous sighted. You're Dan. Guys, just, you know, nervous sighted comes from a show called My Little Pony. And <laughs> Pinkie Pie in My Little Pony was the one who talked to average though? Joe about the word. Um, I don't know. I just see it on you. I Googled it. I'm my sorry. daughter is upstairs right now. We could ask her. She knows. She would hey, know. Hey, Josh. But yeah. Just sorry. My How much pony. My Little Pony I am, have you watched? I would in like your to life. make it known, <laughs> plain, simple from here on out, that I am not a brony. <laughs> Oh my God. I am not a brony. But if you want to know what a brony is, just Google it. It's safe. It's good. There's it's a safe. documentary on it. And this will not be cut in post. Kelly, you are going to say something about my dad. <laughs> yes. He is the kindest man. Like, I feel like I've looked at him in certain seasons of, of our marriage and been like, when is Tim going to become as nice as his dad? Don't look at me. <laughs> 
Okay, Tim early, just looked to his right season. and to you, his left for you. some sort of uh, validation <laughs> to interpret what Kelly just said. Early seasons also, of our marriage, you are becoming the beloved wait, 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 of she God. Has, she's getting there. She's you are becoming there. nicer by the day. But I specifically remember his dad coming to visit us okay. in Florida. Harper was a brand new baby, and I like. I don't know, took Reed out to play and I put Harper in like this little baby carrier and he came outside and he was like, will you put that on me so I can take like baby Harper like for a walk around your subdivision? And I was like, I would love to. In that moment, you're already crying to begin I know, with and you're just, the, he's the yeah. sweetest. My, my yes. favorite thing, other than just the way he interacts with people, like he has this contagious energy. I mean, yes. that's been a long time, but he calls his wife his bride. Mm-hmm. Oh, he does. Like yeah. the but way, not the cheesy. No, way. but see, that's the thing about him. And you know, those of you will hear him on the on the interview. He is exactly as advertised when you hear him. There's no pretense. There's nothing behind the scenes. It's just him. And when he talks about his bride, there's a part of me that's like, man, I want to love my wife that way. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Awesome. It's so genuine. So I could say a few things, but the one thing that comes to mind, just for brevity's sake, is I feel like I have a loose gentleman's agreement. With Al or Leonard. Uncle Al. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to call him. <laughs> I just call Tim him Mr. Stan. Shelton. <laughs> to buy his truck. Oh. It's a loose gentleman's agreement. So I like that. It has been proxied and brokered by Tim here, <laughs> but I've seen it multiple times and I've even mentioned it to him in person. I was like, I would like to buy your truck someday, sir. <laughs> I don't know if you're selling. You know, it, is that the I red Ford Ranger? I want it's that. Black. It's a black Ford Ranger, it's, yeah. and it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, mint. It is. Yeah, he takes care of his trucks. The reason that Josh and I agreed to interview him, I pitched it to Josh, and Josh was like, "Yes, that would that would work." Is uh, we're in this third part of the season, and the question we're asking is, "What does it take to seek well for a lifetime?" And, you know, we talked in the last episode about surrender and friend listening, like we think surrender is that big of a topic that we think it's the first thing that it takes to seek well over the long run. Like we have to want what Jesus wants. You heard that in uh, two episodes ago, you heard Kaya's story last episode. But then when we expand beyond surrender, we think, okay, well, what else? Obviously it's the practices. Obviously it's be still and listen. We've been talking about that for two seasons now. But as we've been thinking about, like, what is it that we have to say as a, as four forty somethings around the table? Don't label me. <laughs> We're the, the same age, age so label. The age was unnecessary. I, well, just okay, fair. I'd like to just say I'm barely forty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was good. I'm right. Fault. So, <laughs> the point in giving our age is like. We have enough experience to know a little bit about what we're talking about. Like we, God has done something in us. I, I'm not. Yeah. That's not an arrogant thing to say. That's just true. God has done something in us, and yet we're not that far down the road of following Jesus. In other words, like we're not seventy or eighty. Like we don't have the wisdom that some of these men and women who have been following Jesus for decades and, and a lifetime really. Like, yeah. I would love to know what what I need to know that I don't know currently. And so mm-hmm. of all of the people in my life, when I think of the one person that I know for fact who's living it, it's my dad. And over the long haul. Yeah. And his life Not has, just a season. And his life has not been easy. Well, and here's the beauty to that, Tim, and I know you'll get into this in the interview, but usually those closest to us, we have the most dirt on. We have the most triggers to, we have the most resentment towards. Like we know that in life, right? 
the fact that you sitting here as an emotionally mature, God-fearing individual who's following Jesus can look at your dad and go, there's something there I want. Like that itself speaks. Well, and then, and that others need to experience themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I Thank you for that. I didn't hear the last 48 words you said because you called me emotionally mature and I wanted to make sure Kelly heard oh that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my he words were just weaponized. That's right. Also true. And you're totally right, He's Bill. like, say that one more time. <laughs> like I can look at some of our heroes in the faith and make, I think they have followed Jesus well for a lifetime. But the reality is, I'm not in their house. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't grow up with him. What I can tell you is my dad is not perfect. He's got a, a lot of flaws and faults. And, you know, my mom would be the first to say that. But something changed in his life radically somewhere in his 30s or 40s. And he became a dramatically different person. And I wanted to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. And what I have seen since then is, is the last couple decades, he has been seeking Jesus with everything he has. And so I just wanted to talk to him, be like, hey, tell me the story. So that's the next episode. I know we're spending some time on that, but I think I think it's going to really be beautiful for you listening. And so, but it does bring up sort of the, the tension, you know, this whole season, we've been talking about tension and fruit, the tension with this question that I'm going to ask my dad is like, what does it take to seek well for a lifetime. What's the tension? And Josh, you put it best in kind of our pre-conversation around this. Like the tension is what to seeking well for a lifetime? A lot of things come up against us, but the, the easiest phrase is like the tension is just staying on course. So staying on the path, whatever analogy you want, the mm-hmm. road, the road of life. Uh, and obviously that road is the road that that God has clearly marked out for you. Even given our best intentions, and when I say our, I mean us around the table, but our as in anybody who is trying to follow Jesus in a busy world, anybody who's trying to live out the things that we're also trying to live out here, why do I consistently or momentarily get distracted or taken off course or find myself either stuck, stopped, confused, like whatever that is? And so we basically are saying like the tension here is staying the course. I mean, think about trying to follow Jesus for 50 years, let's just say, 60 years, 20 years. Who cares? That's a long time. Think about all the things that, are, that you're up against. Mm-hmm. Just life, life is hard. There's high moments, but man, the low moments tend to be low. And you have a culture and a world that is really now fighting against you. Like it's, in my lifetime, it's never been more difficult to follow Jesus from a cultural perspective. Staying the course is hard, mm-hmm. and I feel the tension every every day, personally. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, I want to finish well. I want to be steady, but it's hard. And think of the different seasons that are happening in the decades of our lives. We're, you know, young 20s or raising families, <laughs> just the seasons that are happening within a year, like being steadfast and actually pursuing God in all of those seasons with all the heartache and disappointments and joys, you know? I think of the term entropy, and I think in our life, we either have an opportunity daily to grow or to withdraw. And when it comes to what you just said about being difficult to follow Jesus, it's like it is an everyday grind 
to go, no, I'm not going to withdraw. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm going to take a step ahead. And I'm not going to let that that entropy happen to my spiritual life, like happens in us physically or things like that. And at the very same time, we would be some of the first to say that it it is not a list of things that thou must do in order. Mm-hmm. Good use of the word that. You and yeah. King James there. That's good. <laughs> Thine, thou, whatever. The reductionist in me would want to just boil it down to its most simplest thing. Yeah. And we know this to be true because God does not ask anything of us other than we would abide. Right. There's no formula to abiding. Right. There are practices and routines, and we've unpacked those over the last two years, but they're a means to be with Jesus. They're not like a means to an end, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and through those things, through everything we've talked about this season, we can know if we are and we're not. Does that make sense? We can know when we are uh, Unpack abiding. that. What do you mean? So the most succinct way that I keep coming back to is like an old Dallas Willard quote. And you guys have probably heard this. So it's, we can, through faith and grace, become like Jesus by practicing the types of activities he engaged in, arranging our lives around those activities that he himself practiced. And here it is, in order to remain constantly at home in the fellowship of the Father. So the goal is constantly at home in the fellowship of the Father. The goal is abiding. So what are the qualitative things? The qualities of that, they are those practices. They are that connection to the Father. Being still, listening, Mm -hmm. surrendering practice us, all the things we've been talking about now for yes. two seasons. Yeah. yeah. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to do the things that Jesus did. But why? To abide. Mm-hmm. To be at home in the Father. Yeah. Yeah. And the when you say that, Josh, instantly the word that comes up in my mind is daily. Of course. Uh, that's why yeah. we named the daily rhythm the daily rhythm, right? It's just a resource, but it's really a riff on the idea that spiritual rhythm has to be daily. Like we mm-hmm. have to be daily connected with God. It also reminds me of what Jesus says, if anybody wants to come after and follow me, you must pick up your cross daily. And he's not talking about spiritual rhythm and routines, but what he is saying is it is a daily surrender, which is why we unpacked that in the last episode. Yeah, and it's the phrase in the verse that you skipped, but you have to first deny yourself. That's the exactly. surrender. Mm-hmm. You have to say. What? I just. I don't like to do that. That's why I, I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, when you say like, I there, want what you want. There's a there's a physical reaction my body has when you say that. Right. Yeah. Where do you feel it? Here. Here. <laughs> here. Here. All over. I don't feel it. You feel it. Uh, Tell me what to do. The reality is when we think about the daily, we cover surrender because it is like a first things first when it comes to wanting what Jesus wants, be on the same page. But the, when you get beyond that, the reality is we could talk about 50 different things that are helpful in abiding. Yeah. And again, we've unpacked a lot of those. But here is my question, my big question for the three of you. If the tension is staying the course, if the three of you were sitting down with somebody, let's say the, the, the listener pulling up a chair to this table in this conversation, you sit down face-to-face and you could only tell them one thing about staying the course, what would you say? So I think one thing we would all say, 
is that to seek Jesus well for a lifetime, you've got to begin with the end in mind. You talked about Dallas Willard. He's got this VIM model, V-I-M. The V stands for vision. We have to have a vision of who we want to become in the future. And the way I think about it is like, what's the story you want to be telling about your pursuit of Christ as you enter into your 70s or 80s or pick your age? 90s. 90s. I, I don't want to live that long. Can I weird? tell That's that? a different episode. <laughs> can I tell that story about my relationship with Jesus while I'm doing a triathlon in 90s? You can, yeah. Okay. So be a long story, Bill. Yeah. So, but, but take like, let's just say 80 as an example, right? So Josh, you're 40. Yeah. You're halfway there. Gosh. Stay in the course for another 40 years. Yeah. It does take beginning with the end in mind. There's got to be this perspective. Yeah. That's one of the things that we would say, right? Begin with the end in mind. Yeah. But I would love to know your like one thing you would say. So, Bill, somebody sitting down the table with you, eye to eye over a great cup of Ethiopian or Kenyan coffee. Amen. Both. <laughs> Both. And they're like, hey, Bill, how do I stay the course? How do I seek well for a lifetime? Like, what's your answer? That's a great question. And my answer... For me personally, the thing that sticks out to me is the idea of of your mind, of taking every thought captive. And I know that's, you know, Second Corinthians 10.5 talks about that. But for me, it's a little different. I, I think we get into this cycle in life where we start to believe things that are not true. And we talk about this in some of our experiences and, and some of our events. But for me, like there's this... Uh, illustration in my mind I have. You guys remember those old like clown mirrors they used to have, like the weird mirrors? I hate yeah. clowns with a passion. Yeah, in a they, fun house, right? Yeah. 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 yeah Mine were in my dentist's office. Oh, no. Like a kid, the kid <laughs> corner? Oh, no, the kid corner, right? We're no, talking about the wavy yeah. mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah the wavy mirrors. clowns in the dentist's office? No, no, oh, no. Well, like, it that needs is, to be scarier. Yeah. Yeah. That person should be fired. After the gas. After the gas. Oh, my God. Became the clowns. Okay, you're just reinforcing my point. That's a bad dentist. There were no clowns in Dr. Hunter's office, but there were the yeah. wavy mirrors, the I'm wavy just mirrors. saying. So I, I think for me, so I'm just going to speak about me for a minute. I think I get into distorted living sometimes. Like I start to believe things that are not true about my environment. I look at things, I, I look for narrative, I look for intent from other people. I look at all these different things and it starts to form the way I think about myself and others. I know that's a, that's a deep thought there, but I think we all get into that space. For me, like that whole thing, Ephesians six sixteen, like fiery darts of the enemy, he loves to prey on that perspective and narrative. So my, my tool is when I can settle and gain perspective of what is really true. You know what that reminds me of, Bill? It's, uh, last season, Rick Barry had this analogy of like, if you're just a degree off, Yeah. and Josh, you were there, so you'll have to correct me on this, but yep. you're, if you're just a degree off, you're going straight towards a destination, you're a degree off, and you go down, let's say 20 years, and next thing you know, you're 40 degrees off, you're in an entirely different place. Mm-hmm. When you say the battleground for your mind, if you get a degree off, you're in you're an entirely different destination. Well, think about this for a minute. If I'm in a relationship with somebody and I take something in their verbiage, body language, tone, timing, whatever it is, and I start to then go negative, resentment, angry, but I don't address that, I start to live that perspective, that narrative, and that becomes true. And it's that 1% off, yeah, that 1% degree you off. You get 1% degree off, but then you wake up a year later and you're like, how am I 10 degrees off? So my resource for me, like take what you want from it, is the ability to take a walk, mason jar analogy for those who've been with your experiences, to just settle and ask the question to Jesus, what is really true? 
Like what is true about my emotion? What is true about my situation? What is true about my thought? When I take the time to do that, only the voice of God can pierce through my narrative. And that for me, I don't do it often enough. I'll just be totally transparent around the table. But the times I've done that, like I have examples in my mind of kids, of my wife, of the three of you, like at different points of like, what's really true right now? God cuts through my crap. Hmm. And so if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody about how do you live for a lifetime, you have to see truth. Yeah. Like, like you can't get caught up in narrative and you have to be able to have the perspective in the mind of God. And that's why the practice of listening is so important. Oh yeah. It's because if you don't, allow God to speak to you, speak into your life, speak that truth. The way culture and our lives and our own mind is set up, you're going to hear a lot of lies. Well, you do. And and I mean, for me, like for God to speak in that moment to me, and I have specific situations in my mind right now, one about one of my daughters just like a month ago, where I truly believed something and I listened on it. And God's like, is that true? He asked me, which was really yeah. funny in that. <laughs> yeah. And I go, well, and then you know, go through the snap analogy of, well, what would my life look like if that was true? Huh, what do I want this to be? How do I pivot out of it? And then walking over to my child an hour later and asking a different question. And all of a sudden her response, God showed me what was true. And it, so for me, it's settling. Yeah. It's asking that question. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So the telling somebody the battleground for your faith, it's your mind. Yeah, it's your thought life. That's it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Kelly, you're sitting across the table from another woman, not another man. Oh, <laughs> oh, did it? Isn't it like 50 was, years is all you gave me, me though, and then you're out? Right. <laughs> okay. Tell me more about that <laughs> statement. You. Uh, anyway, you're sitting across the table from somebody, and, and same question, like, what does it take to seek well for a lifetime? How do you stay on course for a lifetime? Don't do it alone. That was mine. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, rock, paper, scissors, Josh. Gentlemen going last. <laughs> you know, so I should have just told you. We always you talk about how similar the two <laughs> yeah. of you are. High five. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. There it is. It's true. All right. The two of you unpack that for us. Don't do it alone. Say more about that. So there's a man and a woman now. Yeah. Yeah. Different, <laughs> different <laughs> perspective. Was it Josh out. and I sitting at that table? <laughs> you I'll described? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like right away, I'm like, it's First Thessalonians 5.11. Continue to encourage each other and build each other up. It says just as you've already been doing. Like doing that, walking those seasons of life with people when it is good when it is not good and to have someone who's you know pulling you back towards Jesus even when you feel like walking away and having that accountability mm. and the richness of friendship and the sharpening right you know what it is you're saying that i just had this question i'm like do you think the disciples make it without each other Mm. Well, I mean, they had the answer to every evangelical question, which is Jesus. But... I, I, I mean, after the resurrection. Oh, no. I mean, we don't know the answer to that, but like, I, I had right. never considered that before. Like, they had... I'm trying to think. They had their boys. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just I think know. about like the hardships they went through. I mean... Yeah. Anyway, that, yeah. that's a rabbit trail, but just like, that's an interesting... I've never thought about that. When I think... uh to follow up to Kelly and we know it to be true because we've seen it in our own lives, the result of authentic community, not doing it alone, mm-hmm. band of brothers, tribe, village, whatever you want to call it in whatever context you're in. We also know this other thing that is equally true is that like the enemy's play and strategy is to get you alone. 
yeah. And, and compound that with what Bill just shared with oh, yeah. the, the battleground of, of your mind, which also obviously impacts your heart too. When we're alone, we process differently. So if you dive in even to like the psychoanalysis of it, just the fact of having conversation yeah. is how we grow. We have to process. So we're processing what we think, what we feel, what happened, what we think is going to happen. And it's the reciprocation from others that either challenges it, affirms mm-hmm. it, whatever that is, says, oh, me too. Me too. Like, yeah. what, what do we say all the time? We've said this from the get-go when this was just some guys getting alone a couple couple times a year in, uh, in the woods as a reminder of like, hey, we're not alone. We just think we are. Yeah. Why do we think we are? Because, you know, the enemy would like to isolate us because then the gloves are off, you know? Yeah, the truth is when we're by ourselves, it's really difficult to fight back. Yeah, it would seem you're outnumbered. Yeah, you know? I mean, you're not because we have the Holy Spirit yeah. in us and obviously Jesus has yeah. conquered the grave and he's victorious. And yet I need you, Josh, to remind me of that. Because when I get stuck, it's it kind of connects back to battleground for your mind. When I yeah. get stuck in that narrative, it's just, it's difficult. You know, there's not great examples of people staying the course for a lifetime alone. Well, and just a plain reality of like, when we come up against the things of life, we talked about this before, yeah. that like, no one ever promised that this life would be easy following Jesus. It will be a fulfilling life, life to the full. It will, it can be free and light when those things come up. And if it's just us and we have no one to share or process that with, mm-hmm. to help us see things a little more clearly along, obviously with God's help, those things just compound. And all of a sudden we're under the weight of our own circumstances. Yeah. And, and I think Tim, to go back to something you said earlier, I think in culture right now, being alone in your thoughts is this weird thing that we do, right? Like we go inward a lot and we, we hold things back. We're not as truthful or vulnerable or authentic with others. And what it develops over time is this deep well of a person that doesn't get to know other people. And in that, that's where the narratives form and the lives form and there's not joy and then you're not fully known. And it, it leads down this pathway that is not conducive for this concept of the long haul. Yeah, I wonder if that's even part of the mental health crisis. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. Bill, you talked about like withdrawing a little bit earlier. Like yeah. that leads to so much isolation. And I'm like, I need people to call me on my stuff. Yeah. Um, whether it's what they see in me that is true or the blind spots that I have that I'm just unaware yeah. of, you know, that yeah. are that are hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could not agree with Josh and Kelly, your, your answer more. I mean, and we know that from our experience and we know from other people's experience too. So yeah, don't do yeah. it alone. Tim. What about you? What about you? <laughs> <laughs> so mine would be, you have to develop perseverance. And I think of the word grit is like maybe the first thing that I, I think of when I think of perseverance, like Josh, you just, you know, use the scripture, like in this life, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome. To take heart, like you have to embrace that. There's got to be this resilience that like rises up in us to say, I know it's tough now, but through Christ, I literally can do this. I really can push through. And you see countless stories of people, not just in the Bible, but in our own lives. You're like, man, how did they get through that really difficult circumstance? Of course, it was Christ in and through them, but the truth is there was a level of perseverance. 
of like guts of grit of yeah. resilience. So I just, just Googled, just looking as you're talking about perseverance, because it means so many things to so many people. So I, w- I want to give you the definition. I want your input on it. It says the effort required to do something and keep going till the end, even if it's hard. Absolutely. I mean, anything worth doing is going to be difficult and it's going to take a level of like, this sucks at some point yeah, along the journey. The dark night of the soul. I mean, you're yeah. going to go through that. So when I think of that, I think of like Hebrews 11 and 12. Yeah. Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. But then when you really look <laughs> at the end of that, um, Hebrews 11, 39, all of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Mm. None of them. I mean, and that is the hall of faith, right? So I'm, I'm reading the New Living Translation. And then 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And, we, and we've heard that a million times. And yet that like word endurance, how do you endure for the long run? It mm-hmm. takes some perseverance. Take resilience. Read that definition again, Bill. Doing something, and even though it's really, really hard, you're you're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, and that, like that's not like a sexy three point message. <laughs> a lot of people would be like, "Well, I don't want that." You know, that's not fun. But honestly, I think what you'll hear from my dad's story and anybody yeah. who's followed Jesus well for a lifetime, I think they would say the same thing of like, the reality is it's going to be hard and it's going to take some grit, and you're going to have to persevere. And you can't persevere without people helping you. And you can't persevere and have grit to this end goal if you don't see things properly. And so they all they all kind of, yeah. my brain works in Venn That's diagrams. Right. Please forgive me. <laughs> but it's like this, you know, you got like this three-point Venn diagram Just there. With, it does. With an yeah. Excel spreadsheet on the back end. Yeah. And <laughs> if you want to do those things, how do you do that? Be still and listen. Yeah, that's it. Settle daily, like you were saying, Josh. Abide for the sake of abiding, not for some formula. Yeah. And... Learn to develop the practice of listening to the voice of God in your life. And I would say, just uh, we would all want to do this, but to double down on the reality, like not a theory, the proven reality in our own lives, in the lives of the men and women that we get to do things with. When and if you were to remove God from the equation, you are left with a series of self help mm. tips and tricks. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. None of this truly works towards the the goal or the end or whatever the thing we're talking about is right now without God, obviously. I feel like we need to say that over and over again. Over and over again. So, I mean, that's our three best... Again, we're still we're um, halfway there. We're halfway there. <laughs> At the halfway point. Actually, one of the funny things, Tim, is you said that. I thought, okay, if I'm 43, I really didn't start really serving God until my early 20s. So really, I'm only a third of the way there. Yeah. Mm, Whatever helps you sleep at night. Thank you. Just want to throw it out there. It's my battleground for my mind. I'm giving good Bill, perspective. The best is yet to come. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had to. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. So what we're saying is this. As best as we can right now. In our, you know, early 40s, we're saying what we have learned so far is, yes, life to the full is the promise that Jesus has given to us. And in this life, we'll have trouble. Please, please, please fight for the battleground, which is your mind. Do it with other people and take the long perspective to say, hey, this is going to take some perseverance. So we're doubling down on the practices and saying, hey, learn to be still, learn to listen, develop spiritual rhythm. 
do it with other people and the fruit, which is what we're all shooting for, mm -hmm. life to the full. Not a perfect life, not necessarily an easy life, but a life of fullness in Christ, of purpose and beauty. You know, you said early 20s, you've been following Jesus. I'm going with like a decade for me, you know, yeah. roughly. And I'm telling you, I'm starting to experience it now in the last uh, three or four years. And it's awesome. And I can't wait for the future. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that's now and not just this um, metaphorical 78 right. year old. It's not, hey, go to this destination over time. It's like, no, life to the full is now, that's present. It. Yeah, that's it. Friend, this has been super fun, uh, season two. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope it's helpful. If something we said today in this episode or a past episode sticks out and you're like, man, so-and-so needs to hear this, just forward them the episode and pass it along. And, and we'd love to be a part of hopefully helping them, inspiring them, or, or giving them a, something we've learned along the way. The next episode is going to be special, so tune in for that. Guys, this is the end of this season for us. Do you guys want me to sing you a song? We no. do not want you to sing a song. <laughs> okay, that's kind of, you know what? Okay. Maybe that bill will be on next oh, season. Next season. Season three, oh. Bill Goes Acoustic. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to write that down Free and, and fold it up really small. <laughs> and I'm going to put it in this special box called Bill's Good Ideas. <laughs> All right. A very small, small box. I'm just kidding. It's a small box. <laughs> Until okay, that moment when you hear Bill's lovely singing voice. I will see you all in season three. Uh, Sequel. We'll see you soon. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.